Hello, and welcome to the ninth episode of Moshi. Please welcome our guest for today, Ramon from Babylon Finance, and our host Sunfire. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Hey, how's it going? Good, and you? Good. Just getting the day started. Thank you for accommodating the times. Yeah, no worries. Let me, uh... Yeah, so how you been? Busy. It's been brutal. This last quarter has been truly brutal in crypto, but hanging in there. Yeah, same. Same story for most of us, I had assume. <laughs> yep. It gets worse before it gets better. That's usually the case. Yeah, I'm, uh... I'm doing it. I'm doing this at home on. Uh, I have Starlink for internet, so sometimes it drops. So if you lose me, just just pretend uh, everything's fine Sounds and keep good. going. Sounds good. Yeah, not exactly sure how many people we're gonna get in here. So uh, good opportunity if you want to uh, if you want to maybe just uh, test out some new material for the future. This could be your your alpha land for that. Sounds good. How long do these usually go for? 30 minutes or so? Uh, there's really no set time limit. I mean, it's usually slated for like an hour, but... Uh, okay, um, sounds good. We've gone, we've gone well over two hours if it, gets, if it gets fun and interesting. Wow, awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, I kind of thought, uh, thought it was a joke, the suggestion to talk about like uh, hacks and exploits and stuff, but uh, <laughs> looks like maybe it wasn't a joke is, is how it's going on today. <laughs> We can talk a bit about everything. Yeah, what's all the mayhem that has been happening in, in crypto, especially in DeFi as well. And then we can talk a bit about whatever you want. Yeah, that, that Aave, or uh, it wasn't Aave, it was the, the Uni V3 phishing yeah. scam lately. That was, that was kind of wild. Yep, yeah, and unfortunately those, those are really common because it happens a lot also on the NFT, these, these phishing scams, like the apes. Right. Apes get the scam uh, easily, clicking on links, which is really unfortunate because a lot of these people paid a lot of money for those NFTs and then they they get them to part with their apes really easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to turn your volume up for, for me personally pretty high. Um, in case people don't know, if uh, if a speaker, if you want to adjust a speaker's volume, you can uh, over there on the left under town stage. If you just right click on them, a little uh, menu pops up, and then there's a a user volume and a little slider, and you can adjust it if you want. But uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, a lot of people fall for the phishing scams, and they don't know it because they thought everything they did was was all good and proper. And then they think it's something else. And yep. they're like, oh, my God, you know, like I've been I've been hacked somehow. And then you, you spend like hours working with them trying to figure it out. And then lo and behold, it turns out that, yeah, they, they clicked on some links and and entered some seed phrases or did some silly stuff. And uh, it's sad how, how common that is. Yeah, the, the simple explanation is usually the, the correct one there. It's much more complicated. I'm much less likely to actually get hacked directly and then doing some complicated hack to get you your private MetaMask and then through that getting your seed and then getting your accounts. It's, 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 it's a lot harder to, to do it. Yeah, you can't really, I don't really think you can actually like hack 
um, in any kind of like brute force style or, or, or any sneaky way. I don't know if you can actually hack a MetaMask account. I remember researching that before, and I'm pretty sure the the few people who, who may actually be able to do it, they got way better shit to do with their time yeah. because they're top level. Yeah, exactly. MetaMask, I mean, if you're using MetaMask without a hardware wallet, you can definitely get hacked. But first, they will need to get access to your computer by you installing something or clicking on something, and then they will need to decrypt your MetaMask wallet, so they will basically need your password. If you have a really long password, it will basically take years or months to brute force it. Yeah, and uh, that's... Um... That's that's at its root a phishing scam as well because they get you to click on something they they take yeah. control of your browser and then they they prompt some pop up where they're like oh hey you need to sign your MetaMask but it's fake and then you enter it and they get your password. Yep. All right. Well, I guess uh, let's see. Yeah, it's five. We can uh, we can start this off now, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, why don't uh, why don't you just introduce yourself first? Um, let us know about you. Then maybe we could talk about uh, Babylon Finance a little bit, and then from there we can transition uh, into the hacks and exploits stuff. Because um, I know you guys got uh, affected by a Rari uh, Fuse Fuse Rari exploit, and I really don't know anything about that. So that might be interesting to to learn some about it from you. Thank you. First of all, really happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Um, a little bit about me. I'm originally from Spain, Europe. I've been in computer tech for more than a decade now. My hair is turning gray. And I've been working for companies like Zynga that they used to do games like Farmville and works with friends. I also work for Google. I also work for Y Combinator, uh, that is a venture capital for early seed companies. And in the last few years, like many of you, I couldn't think of anything else besides crypto. So I jump full on into crypto, and I work first for Open Zeppelin, the creators of the ERC20, one of the most famous security companies and servicing firms in the space. And then since a year and a half ago, I started working on Babylon. Um, during all my time in, in the space, uh, as a hobbyist, first, you know, I started looking into it, the tech, Ethereum, the moment Ethereum released, like 2016 or so. Um, and I saw immense opportunities. And then as an investor, as I became more interested in finance as well, um, I saw that really crypto is a, an opportunity that is generational. We haven't had this kind of generational opportunity for a while. And I started thinking about how to bring this opportunity to as many people as possible. And that's what brought me to Babylon Finance. Um, the starting point is that for many people, it's really difficult to to know about personal finance, how to handle their money, how to handle their investments. That's why the default in the last three or four decades has been just put your money on your index funds and get it to grow. But Babylon started as a way to create similar products for crypto and help people create wealth by accessing the opportunities in the crypto space, mostly in DeFi. And the twist is like, as we saw with Robin Hood and what happened uh, with GameStop and all these other meme stocks, um, when you are trading on platforms that are not really open and they are not really decentralized, in the end you can you can be censored. They can change the rules the rules of the game. 
uh, and so on. So um, now with Ethereum, we finally have a, a platform that is completely open, that is completely decentralized, and that we can trust. And that creates a, an equally level field where everyone can participate in this new financial dis, uh, district that is called the, the decentralized finance. Uh, I'll stop there because I said a lot of things and let's go deeper on a few things. Okay. Yep. Um, so first of all, what's Babylon Finance? Babylon Finance lets people create um, investment clubs and you can create something that sort of mimics a hedge fund, something that mimics like mutual fund or something that mimics uh, more like an investment class for you and your friends and just to share investments and share the profits, share the wealth together. Um, the way it works is any of you can create this investment club on chain and for example say, okay, in this club we're going to invest in NFTs or we're going to invest in, in blue chips or we're going to invest in crazy things to try to generate a lot of alpha. Then you, you invite your friends, your friends deposit into this investment club that we call Garden, and then they get a share of this investment club uh, in the form of tokens. And then as the fund makes profits or gets losses, then uh, everyone shares uh, uh, the wealth creations or every, and everyone shares the gas costs and everyone shares the alpha. Um, the, the cool thing about all this is first that for the user, uh, this results in, in huge gas savings. Because for example, if all of you wants to enter this curve pool and then stake the, the LP tokens onto Convex and then use, the, use this to, to do some kind of bribe and concentrator and the, and the curve LP wars to try to get more, more rewards, this will take a lot of gas. But if you join another hundred of people and then invest together, uh, the garden or the investment club will only do it once for all the 100 people. So it results in increase in huge gas savings for all the users. Then a lot of, a lot, another benefit for the user is that uh, there is a lot of tax consolidation. If you do all these activities by yourself, you would have to do a taxable transaction for each one of these in most tax jurisdictions. But if you do it through the investment club, when you enter and buy the investment club shares, that's a buy, and when you exit, that's a sell and everything that happens inside the garden is kind of shielded for you. Another benefit is like, you don't have to be 24 seven looking at the crypto screens, looking at charts all day, and uh, you can just share the load with all the other members of the garden or just rely on two or three knowledgeable managers that know what to do and they're gonna suggest investment ideas. Um, so in the end, uh, Babylon is turning, uh, investing into a multiplayer endeavor where you can, uh, invest along other people and create wealth with others. And, and that's our goal. We believe uh, asset management is going to be like the biggest niche in DeFi as more people that are not experts enter into the space. And even uh, right now is the biggest niche in traditional finance. Asset management is in the trillions. And funnily enough, right now in crypto is one of the smallest. I believe it's because most of the people that are right now in crypto prefer to do things themselves. They are kind of part of the early adopters or early majority, and they know what to do. But as new people come in and we need to onboard them, they are going to prefer to use these simple structured products that provide them a way to create wealth without having to worry about it 24-7, without having to worry about Metamask, without having to worry about these scams, without having to worry about these hacks. Uh, to have a place where you can reliable, 
reliably and safely create wealth. Yeah, I caught um, I caught some little bits of the uh, of the podcast that you did with CoinGecko, and it was uh, it was pretty good. And um, I remember you talking about that same topic. How and um, in our last Moshi podcast, um, had a guest on. We we talked for a long time about um, how we feel that you know distributed ledger technology DeFi is definitely still in in its infancy stages. Um, there's a lot of room for growth and, and we really do hope that it does grow to something, a uh, fantastic future that, that we hope is going to, is going to come true with it all. Um, don't know how long that's going to take though. It, it's probably going to be several years before, uh, we really see things taken off there, but, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, the asset management aspect, because, um, a lot of people, like you said, they they're busy. They don't have time. Um, it does take a lot of time to to research and get educated in in everything. And every little corner of the market has its own niche little things going on, its own little games to play. But um, I was really wondering about with Babylon when we do start getting. To onboarding a lot more users in DeFi and DeFi starts evolving. I'm wondering if you're going to end up having, um, you know, specific people that are going to that are going to stand out. You know, perhaps even slightly famous people, well known, like traditional finance head fund managers that are going to start setting stuff up because, you know. If you don't know the person and you don't know what's going on, it, it, it's almost like a gamble, right? You're just like, oh, you know, Joe Random started this this financial strategy. You know, why why would you want to invest in that with just some random guy you don't know, especially if you don't know how the game plays? So, how do you how do you see that kind of playing out as DeFi grows and with um, kind of Babylon how it's set up with the decentralized hedge fund and asset management situation? Do you, do you foresee you know, certain uh, certain knowledgeable people rising to the to the top and and creating a lot of a lot of really good gardens that people are going to follow. Yeah, thank you. This is a great question. First of all, as you said, yeah, it's, it's going to take years, uh, maybe even a decade, for all this to to happen. So uh, we are building, and uh, a lot of other people are building in the space, and we're going to make it happen. It's going to be a bumpy road. Um, regarding reputations, because I think that's what you're getting at. Do you know that what I'm investing in is legit? First of all, I think decentralized finance in general needs to mature. It means oh, because in DeFi and in crypto, you usually say, "Oh, you have all these benefits: centralization, no nobody owns it. Then it's a lot of intermediaries that you, you can remove by using crypto. Then you, know, you can directly own your money and have access to your money." Well, the reality is. Most people don't want to directly own their money and, and think about it and worry about it. The truth is most people don't care about decentralization if they suffer uh, scams and they suffer hacks every day. And the truth is most people don't want to take the effort and take the time to research where to invest. They just want to go on with their lives. You know, financial, uh, looking at numbers on a screen uh, is not the most fun thing to do for, for most people. So... Um, DeFi is has focused a bit too much on, on using the tokenomics, on using the numbers uh, f to cater to this really expert and really degen in a way uh, 
a cohort of people. But that's that's going to change. So regarding your question, as the space matures, I expect products, uh, hopefully like Babylon Finance, that offer users a safe way to invest in crypto that is shielded as possible from smart contract risk, shielded as possible from shady managers, and that, you know, get your money and run away. And we have a lot of security measures in check right now in Babylon, so it's really difficult to do, but, but still, if the manager wants to on purpose lose money, the creator of a strategy, can they, they can try to do it. Um, and as the space evolves, I, I expect more financial companies get created and they are set up to offer financial services on DeFi. So for example, if you are a traditional registered advisor in the US or a, a firm specializing in giving financial advice or even any, any hedge fund, they can move and kind of upgrade their infrastructure, move to the crypto land, but still be the ones in charge of the this specific investment club, this specific garden, this specific strategy. Um, and on the other side, there is also space for anonymous accounts that have reputation you know, that you can trust. Most of them you cannot trust, but there are probably a few accounts that even if they are anonymous, you can still trust. Um, and the space also creates the room for this to happen. So it's one more option. But I expect the most of the strategies and financial products will be created by financial companies or maybe by financial DAOs uh, from here in the next few years to the next decade. Uh, yeah, I didn't even really think about that. Yeah, like a, a collective of people, a DAO setting up gardens. Uh, that's a good point. Um, so have you, uh, have you been following at all, all this stuff with like uh, soulbound wallets and tokens and, and Polygon ID recently? I'm familiar with the soulbound tokens. I'm not so familiar with the Polygon ID. It's a similar concept, but the idea behind it is they use zero-knowledge proofs um, for the identity factor. Um, and it, it gets kind of deep, but um, I just personally think it's a slightly better twist on the whole concept. But you're talking about reputation. Um, I'm wondering if that can can be incorporated into what Babylon's doing in some sort of way, because um, you don't necessarily maybe need to identify the people, but you have a specific wallet and, you know, you, similar thing to the soulbound tokens and wallets and Polygon ID, that wallet can start essentially building building credit or reputation and... That could tie into what you're just saying with uh, the reputation of people starting gardens on on Babylon into the future. Uh, it could be an interesting little interesting little twist and in inclusion. Agree. Um, Degen score was one of the first attempts to try to do this on chain, and that create like a different score for your wallet. And this is the direction that things are moving. As you say, zero knowledge proof, so you can prove things like, oh, created these funds or these financial products. And I generated this amount of return without having to disclose exactly how I did it, without having to disclose who I am. So this could create a space for these anonymous accounts that that can manage money. But uh, for most of the companies, most of the people that will be running this, um, they can still use zero knowledge proofs to kind of seal parts of their identity that that they, they want to become uh, private. 
but for the rest of it, it, it can be publicly available on chain. And these soulbound tokens, IDs, I think are a step in the right direction. Although soulbound tokens, I think they still have a lot of problems because tokens that you cannot get rid of have a, like a lot of, of problems. Uh, not everything should be attached to, to your identity forever. Not every, but these are work our problems. The tech is just starting, so it will evolve. Right, right. Yeah. And um, once again, like I said, I think I think the polygon ID concept is a is a slightly better a slightly better twist on the situation, um, especially regarding privacy. Um, they have a lot of uh, I'm not going to go super deep into it, but they have a lot of cool ideas um, if you if you look into that. But um, so, yeah, what um, what happened with the with the fuse Rari? uh situation that kind of that kind of hurt you guys uh to give a bit of context there rari is a protocol a lending protocol like compound uh, the main difference between rari and compound is that in rari everyone can create like their own their own compound for example if you're a project and you're releasing a token and you want to be able to uh, add your token as collateral so people can lend it and then borrow or die from it. You could use Rari, create your own pool, and for example, start your Moshi, Moshi Rari pool, and then you can put the Moshi token there as collateral and people can put it there and then borrow or die or, or USDC or whatever they want from it. Um, and it was working really well. Then Rari was also acquired by Fei, that is a stable coin, and the Thrive is one of the your if I collect this in the space with more than a billion dollar under management at some point. Um and um Rari also reached like one billion in TBL this highest. Um and then two two or three months ago no at the end of April uh, Rari was hacked with eighty million eighty million dollars. Um first of all the market at that point was was a lot higher so um, a lot of companies that got affected, like Frax, Babylon, Vesper, um, we were in a much better position to to act and and uh, help our users at that point. Um, but the, but when the hack happened, both Rari and Fay um, and uh, strongly said on a statement that they were gonna repay the hack. And a week later, they created a first governance proposal. The snapshot and it's passed with something like 99% were in favor of doing some kind of reimbursement for the affected parties. In our case, we got affected like three, three and a half million, and like three, three million of those three and a half were from our users, more than a thousand users, splitting in, in a few gardens that we have. Um, so this happened, and then once the this proposal got approved, they were working on the reimbursement. But, you know, a week goes by, another week goes by, then more weeks goes by, and always the fix and the reimbursement is one week away. And then, out of nowhere, a veto appeared on the FEI governance proposal, and then it got approved uh, by some of their team members, and then they said, no, it's a technicality because we want a new vote and a new governance proposal. And then that happened, and then, again, all the team voted against it, and apparently, because of the market, this is now three weeks ago, June, 
because of the market has tanked a lot. Now they, they cannot reimburse and they they walked back their basically their promise to, to reimburse the affected parties and they have put everyone in a really difficult situation. In our case, um, you know, before all this started, we had like 20, 20 something million in TBL. And when when their new governance proposal to cancel the reimbursement happened, we needed to do an emergency action to kind of pause withdrawals and deposit because we needed to revalue our RARI tokens and our, our, our strategies that involve lending into the pool to kind of value them at zero. So we needed to pause withdrawals and deposits and then fix this Oracle and then enable it again. And we were able to do some engineering work to kind of recover and collateral from, the, from our affected RARI pool. Um, and then we re-enable uh, deposits and withdrawals really quickly. But after all this, you know, it's normal. I understand the users uh, don't care if protocol A, B, or C, or H got hacked if they deposit to Babylon. Although I think it's, it's slightly unfair, um, you know, uh, pretty much all the all the TVL of Babylon, along with the market going down a lot, has decreased from 30 million to 3 million or so. Um, you know, and Rari, the team also has left. Faye is also abandoning the project and trying to pin it all on Rari, when, but they acquired the project, so they should take responsibility for it. It has been kind of a clusterfuck. So what, what, was the, what exactly was the exploit? Was it just like a flash loan situation? Or what, what did, do they, have they disclosed what the exploit was yeah. exactly? We have a blog post detailing it and they, they did want to basically it, it was a way for them to explode the uh, their status of the pool so they, they could borrow uh, as many as many tokens as possible to extract all the collateral so it, um, basically using flash loans they were able to basically drain all the assets of any even Rari pool and the top Rari pools got affected, like the top ten, and we were in the top ten because we we had more than ten million, uh, we or almost ten million in our Rari pool on top of our thirty million of TVL in, in our protocol. Um, and yeah, using this flash loan, they were basically able to mint uh, a lot of ETH, fake ETH, and using this fake ETH, we were able to withdraw all the valid collateral, and then at the end, they they were able to repay fake ETH and make the transaction valid. It was basically a re-entrancy attack at this most basic level. Oh, wow. Yeah, it uh, sounds slightly more, more technical than a typical flash loan attack. Yep. Definitely, definitely sucks. Yeah, poor, poor, poor Fuse Rari. Uh, yeah, and there's a, um, there's a, there's a fork of, of Fuse Rari uh, market, market.xyz and uh, They've been having a they've been having a rough time too, man. Uh, bad debt accumulating and lots of lots of very unhappy people. Uh, but um, yeah, it's kind of the kind of the nature of DeFi right now, unfortunately. Um, what do you what do you think about all that going into the future? How do you how do you foresee these kind of situations being minimalized to increase the safety for your specific users and whatnot in Babylon Finance? Is the answer to just stay away from that kind of stuff in general, or do you have hopes that there's going to be some new technology and safeguards that are going to come out? What is your uh, 
what's your what's your hopium perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, my long term vision and what I wanted to do at Babylon was to kind of shield users from all the problems in DeFi. The problem is one, uh, you know, for a DeFi asset management protocol, you rely on all the other protocols. See, so if the industry as a whole and the protocols are not mature, it's, it's kind of really difficult to build this moment in time. Um, of course, we, I think, our main problem or our main uh, fault in this situation is that we chose to add Rari and make it a core part of our, for our, I mean, we integrate with 15 different protocols from Aave, Compound, Rari, Uniswap. So we integrate with pretty much the blue chips and we try to do audits of all the protocols we add. But in this case, even when we added Rari, it was fine, the code, but then they added, it changes the code of Compound and then they introduce this vulnerability. Yeah, and it's it's just not realistic. We should be checking every line of code of every pro DeFi protocol that gets committed and see if there is a vulnerability. Um, so moving forward, what I hope to do is like the insurance space matures. So for example, in Babylon, every strategy that gets created, for example, to invest in Curve and Convex, comes attached or comes with the option, give the option to the people that is creating the strategy do you want to add insurance? And then for us, uh, as a protocol, we need to make it really clear that we are not opinionated. We just give users the tools to create uh, to create these investment clubs, and we also give them this no-code UI so they can create DeFi strategies by using the UI. For example, they can say, okay, first I want to deposit this DAI onto Aave, then I want to borrow you, uh, you know, unit token, and I want to put this unit token on, on Curve or Convex or whatever. Um, but then it's up to the user to, and up to the creator of the, each strategy to decide where to put the money, which protocol to trust, which pool, which specific pool put it on. And then it's up to the other members of the community and to the investors to research and decide where to, where to invest. But again, I understand that this is a lot for most of users at this point of time. Uh, and even if in our case, you know, the, the pools our gardens that invested in Rari, they were showing uh, that we were investing in Rari and people invested in these gardens knowing that. And when each strategy was approved, they were able to see that the strategist wanted to invest money in Rari and they all approved. Uh, I understand that it's really difficult for everyone to understand all the risk associated with DeFi, you know, the scams, the hacks, the permanent loss. Uh, there is, there is just so much surface area. So I hope in the future, first, we can offer structured products that and with smart contract protection, something like Nexus Mutual offers, but a, a lot more, a lot more mature, a lot more evolved and hopefully cheaper because the protocols have matured quite a bit. Then also some kind of financial derivatives and hedging. So financial strategies have also a protection against downside risk in the market. And then as well, finally, then having some, some proper risk disclosures and these risk metrics so users can, can make an informed decision about where they are investing their money. Right. And then so you'd, you'd pretty much, it sounds like essentially you'd be using, a, you'd like to use third-party insurance protocols like InsureAce um 
I don't know the yep. one that you mentioned just now, but um, but yeah, just in- incorporating that as an option into the into the strategies. Yep, and then some some managers, some financial service companies will be able to create a garden where all their strategies and all, all their positions are insured against market risk and against smart contract hacks. So then can basically create a safe, uh, with quotes, as safe as possible within DeFi. But this is still going to take a few years because one of the main problems in the space and with Babylon we suffer this is like we try to do things as methodical and as slow as possible. But what we notice is that our users have been pressuring us to offer riskier protocols and integrate with riskier protocols because they want the yield. And again, I think this comes down to the people and the cohort of people that are now in DeFi now because they they want to make these crazy returns. They want to they're kind of early adopters and they, they are fine, at least at the beginning, <laughs> they are fine with, with higher amount of, of risk even than they are aware of. So when things go south, then they think, oh, no, 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 we don't want the risk. So they want the upside without the risk. But at the projects, the space mature, and I hope the new cohort of people that come to the space in two, three, four years, they are not going to look for 300% APY, and they're going to not, there will still be probably strategies like that available. But I think most of the money will still be in a safe, predictable return that can offer you something like 5 4% for the ones that are upon lean, that are yield strategies and for hedge funds, you know, depending on how big the risk is, they can return anything from 50%, 100%, 200% to minus 50%, minus 100%. And depending on your risk profile, you can create a portfolio that uses a barbell. And for example, you can have most of your money in yield product, 80% of your portfolio in yield products that will net you a 4 or 5% in stables. And then you can have the rest in really crazy convex way of bets, like in a volatility hedge fund or a tail hedge fund. Right, kind of like a kind of similar to like a a delta a delta neutral kind of strategy, yes. right? And uh, I'm assuming that's something that that people could actually create on on Babylon, correct? People could create um, more more complex strategies in gardens that would essentially accomplish that. Yep. Even right now, you know, we have like uh, two of our biggest gardens before the hack were the stable garden that where people can deposit die, and then uh, it basically uses farming, low risk within DeFi, farming protocols to generate yield. And the other one was the Fountain of ETH. People deposit ETH and it uses uh, staking ETH strategies to generate extra ETH. And those were the most popular, the biggest. Uh, uh, they were like 5 million each at the point, at one point. But then we had also a bunch of smaller, higher risk gardens where people were just trying to time the market and buy this token, hoping for return and so on. So we, we Babylon, we were already seeing this this kind of explosion of, of gardens. We had more than 100 created gardens and they can cater to different risk profiles, different time preferences and different liquidity preferences. Yeah, and the the whole risk risk reward and, and what you're talking about with the um with the super high APYs. Yeah, I feel like that was that was maybe a little bit of a problem there for a minute. I I personally feel that distributed ledger technology and DeFi infrastructure is 
is is is is I I don't know if I'd necessarily say undervalued at this point, but um, it's underappreciated. I think there's amazing potential to solve a lot of world problems, not just in finance, but um, I feel like you know when when this last bull run and DeFi was really popping off, um, I feel like a bubble was created with a lot of protocol tokens because these protocols were opening up. Uh, offering these massive APRs and APYs, and they were able to. Well, I don't know what the right word to to say is. I almost want to say that they they were tricking people into yeah. investing in this because I would I would think that those people doing it all would know that like it's kind of not really really sustainable. Um, you know, you were talking like four or five percent. APY and that's pretty good. I mean, I would hope that where DeFi is going, we can maybe start to see maybe 10, 15, 20% that is actually sustainable and I mean, quote unquote safe as far as as DeFi can be. Um but I don't know. I I'm, I'm 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 wondering if this last how this last bear market or I mean, Warren played out quickly transitioning into the bear market with the with the crash of, of Luna, all the mass scale liquidations that were happening and the, the cascade liquidations and, and liquidation chain events. Um, I'm really hoping maybe people are starting to realize that maybe, you know, chasing after these thousand APR situations maybe aren't the, the exact safest thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you don't know where the yield is coming from, then you probably are the yield. Uh, that is is similar to to the saying that is like in face you know if you don't know how Facebook gets paid it's like no you you are you are the you are the product yeah yeah um, like it, how does that saying go it's like if you're the if you're the if you don't know yeah if you don't know what the product is then you are the product or something like yes, that yeah yes that that's it yep um because these these deals, I mean, in the end, if you kinda unwrap everything, who's paying for these deals? Yeah. Basically, VCs, you know, companies that raise money. So venture capital is giving uh, all this seed money to people, and then these teams are creating these projects at valuation based on their seed. Then that gives a floor value to the token, and then uh, teams are giving most of their tokens away in these mining programs or systems. And these systems. Uh, then uh, offer them to the users of these protocols, and then the users are extracting value from the from the from the token and from the VCs by the token. But this is all fine and works when the when the projects are going up and when the token is going up. But when everything is going down, it creates this really negative uh, and and uh, looping like feedback mechanism that it makes it stronger and stronger on the way down. Is that downward spiral the same way that on the way up everything works beautifully um, but people have not been i think most people in crypto didn't have proper risk management practices and it has shown you know and i mean you can also argue that our, our risk management practices at babylon uh, were not greatest either because we were we were victim to to the faults of other protocols but, in in the space in general, I think with all these liquidations, everyone was basically super exposed to one side of the market, the right tail, and then the left side. When things get 
really bad, it, you know, the exits get really small. So there are a lot of people trying to go through the exit or Godzilla trying to go through the exit, but it's just like a really small out. So then the prices need to crater for people to be able to, to exit through that small door. Yeah, another analogy that's kind of popular people talk about with exit liquidity is uh, is musical chairs. But yes. when you play musical chairs as a kid, you know, one chair gets removed at a time. In DeFi, it's like every round, 100 chairs get removed at a time. Like you said, the window is, is very small. And uh, like we saw with, with, with UST and Luna, um, man, that was like a matter of two days. Everything went yep. from perfectly fine to just an absolute shit show. And um, I mean, I would say don't, don't be too hard on yourself, though, about um, when you say that, you know, perhaps maybe Babylon also wasn't um, so proper in due diligence because they were affected with, uh, with Fuse. I mean, a lot of, a lot of protocols um, got hurt really bad with the, the Luna situation, like Balancer and uh, yeah. Balancer Forks, like on Phantom, we have, we have Beethoven X, um, which I really love those protocols. But um, the way that their, their pools are set up and the pool logic um anything that had luna or ust in it, any of the pools when it dumped it just created this huge mess and and people couldn't actually withdraw i, I maybe i shouldn't speak out of turn I, I i don't know the full situation but i could be wrong on this but from what i gathered is it made it to where people couldn't actually withdraw funds and then there were workarounds to where people could but you know by that point it was uh it was already too late you know, like uh, when the value of one of the tokens in those balancer pools pretty much crashes to zero, it's pretty much all gone. So, you know, like balancer labs, great team, very seasoned and experienced. Um, I really like the the Beethoven X team and that protocol as well. I would say, you know, they're, they're good people that that seem to know what they're doing. But, you know, even they were were greatly affected by that. So, I mean, it kind of just is the yeah. nature of the beast right now. That's exactly it. What I, you know, this when the dominoes start falling, the force and the kinetic energy creates is really strong. There is a lot of volatility. The way I see the markets in the end is like at the bottom, it's like a building, and at the bottom of the building, we have kind of like the Fed and the central bank kind of setting interest rates, you know, and they have been kind of, or you can see it as the butterfly that is kind of flapping its wings, and then by the Fed starting to to hike really late. <laughs> Yeah, and but they have to. It's better than they don't doing it. They, and by doing it so quickly, that is kind of like the fastest hike in 60 years. And it's also like the worst performance in financial markets in in 70 or 80 years. The the, the worst first half, and it's also the worst performance of the bond market uh, since since 1780s, since since America was founded, basically. Um, then it has created this increase in volatility that is one really huge and is really difficult to withstand because you know at the bottom as i said we have you have the fed and the central banks then on top of that we have the bond market then on top of that you have the equity market then uh, and as you go up the building then it's it's more it, there is more risk and then on top of that a higher risk than the equity market you have crypto and then on top of that you have asset management because we use uh, different protocols in DeFi. Uh, so then when the Fed shakes the building from the basement, then everything moves massively. 
then when you are at the top, it's like the amount of volatility gets compounded and it gets really, really, really high. So it's, you need to be able to withstand this, this immense volatility spikes to be able to survive. But DeFi, on the one hand and on the positive side, has been working beautifully, you know, even with the Luna and everything. Um, Nobody has had to step in to to bail out JP Morgan or you know or like Bernie Stearns like in, in uh, global financial crisis. Um, nobody has to had to bail out Aave or Compound or these protocols. They are still working and they are working as intended. Whenever the collateral dips be, below a certain amount, then it just gets taken away from from the users that have toxic debt positions and things continue working. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that that is that is true to an extent. Um, and yeah, the uh, the differences between traditional finance and and decentralized finance regarding that are 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 quite interesting to kind of to kind of look at. Yeah, from the user point point of view, is it's worse at the moment. Is what we were talking before that you know that users are suffering the losses. Um, the protocols itself, you know, like uh, the rules are really clear and it happens automatically. So it's not like uh, with the CDPs and the real estate bubble in 2008 when these these CDPs, the value of them can uh, crater, but there was no automatic liquidation. So basically all, all that value was destroyed. Here, at least, you know, leaving hacks aside, um, the protocols Mature protocols, the blue chip DeFi protocols, are working as intended. Uniswap, Aave, Compound, they are all, they're all continuing working, and they don't care if the price of Ether is one, one hundred, one thousand, uh, or Maker. You know, they are. I mean, they they have also suffered immense pressure, and I think this is making the these protocols anti-fragile and the space as a whole. Then we need to kind of offer this as a value prop for users. That I think is what's missing. Yeah, and you know, I, I to add to that, I hear you know people people have a lot of complaints about about DeFi talking about um, talking about the risks and and how this kind of stuff can happen. And and uh, you mentioned um, a bubble in in 2018. I mean, in traditional finance, you see the same kind of thing all the time though and for some reason that that escapes people's analysis like um you know in america i think it was like what 2007 2008 yep. there was a massive yep. um how many people wrecked so many people got left essentially it's the equivalent of bag holder in crypto you know like they got left holding these assets that are worth way less than they paid for but the, the assets were real estate a lot of people um you know how to how to deal with that, and um, you can still even like. And this is going to be dependent on the jurisdiction, of course. But in America, in traditional finance, it's actually really easy to build up bad debt and just simply not pay it. You know, and then we have all this uh, this bankruptcy, uh, all this bankruptcy law that uh, companies and corporations take advantage of. And I don't I don't know if this is true. But uh, Dig Dug, um, one of our other beloved mods and Moshi hosts, he just shared uh, a tweet from someone saying that Celsius, that Celsius just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. I don't know if that's true or not. It's obviously just a tweet. But, um, I mean, how big was Celsius? They were huge. I mean, I maybe a year ago or 
So like I had a lot of Matic staked with Celsius because I thought it was the thing to do. They were touted as being super safe. You know, it's kind of this like blend of, of traditional finance and decentralized finance. And, you know, they uh, earlier you're talking about JP Morgan, like I'm pretty sure Celsius had contracts with, with JP Morgan and some other big firms. They were, they were really getting deep into it. And I think Celsius also, um, I don't know the depths of it, but they got some kind of like approval and validation um, from several states in America. And I think California was one of them. And that was kind of a big deal because, you know, California is like a global economic powerhouse. Um, so everyone was like, oh, sweet, you know, like, let's just let's just pile it all in there. And, uh, you know, and then shit hit the fan. <laughs> Excuse my language. And um, I don't know. Apparently, Dig Dug is, is showing us that um, the the papers for filing uh, bankruptcy was linked in that tweet. So. I mean, anyone could, anyone, well, anyone could Photoshop that. I don't want to like, I don't want to say stuff, you know, and then have it come back later where people are like, oh my God, you're out there like fudding stuff and it's all lies. So once again, I don't know, but it could be legit, but even let's just pretend it's not legit. It, it's still a possibility that could happen. Uh, it might be happening now, but you know, so these kind of risks in traditional finance have exist forever and it's still really easy for people in traditional finance to rack up bad debt i mean lots of people have collectors hounding them um i mean i one of my exes um actually had a shit ton of bad debt from so much stupid stuff like like uh like a blockbuster not blockbuster my bad um Oh man, words are failing me. Um, the electronics, the big electronics store that we have here, uh, Best Buy, had a had a Best, had a Best Buy credit card with like all of this, you know, like like maybe a grand or two racked up on it. Had these other credit cards with money racked up on it. Probably you know well over ten k of debt in total. Wow. No plans to pay it off. Plan it was just like yeah, no fuck them. I'm never gonna pay it. Off. And I'm just like dude. What? What is that's not, but that happens all the time. It happens with lots of people, and you know, then we get into the whole being able to file bankruptcy and just kind of walk away from it, essentially screwing everyone else over. Uh, like with Celsius, for instance. Um, yeah, oh, that's, okay, that's, I a, that's a great point. Yeah, it's it's um, it's the same thing at the global financial crisis. It's like uh, people are taking advantage of the system. And borrowers take advantage, and then uh, the creditors, the people that lend the money, then they basically get screwed. Um, but as, as as you say, is and with Celsius and these other CD5 platforms, now it, it's paradoxical, you know, because now everyone is sitting on these platforms, and then there is this truth on both sides. On one side, we need CD5 because decentralized finance. It's too complicated technically, and you know, and you need to do metamask, you need to do the other things. So it makes sense that you will have like an user-friendly on-ramp onto crypto, and then they, you do that through an application that looks like something like Coinbase or like something like Robinhood, something like that. But the problem with the CD file or Voyager or Celsius is like they were the grouping together the wars from both walls. Then from DeFi, they were getting the risk and investing in the really risky stuff. But they were not being transparent 
and uh, showing all the on-chain information of the of the positions. So you got only the bad part of DeFi, and then you also got the, only the bad part of of a traditional company because they were really opaque, uh, and you didn't get the assurances that, for example, the FDIC if you hold it in a bank. So they were marrying instead of the good from both sides, they were marrying the both from the 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 bad from both sides of the centralized platform and the decentralized. But it can be done in a better way, and I, I think it will happen in the next few years. Right, that's definitely the hope that, that in the next couple of years, and honestly, I don't, I don't see why not, because um, the bottom line is business, and business is about the bottom line. And uh, distributed ledger technology and decentralized finance concepts can increase the bottom line for companies it can make things easier and more profitable more user friendly so i personally feel that just just for that fact it's the way things are going to go because naturally companies are going to want to increase their profits increase their bottom line cut down their overhead essentially is how that would all happen so i i, I remain faithful that things are going to be good as far yep. as that's concerned, and we're heading that direction. Um, but yeah, apparently Celsius, uh, from their their Twitter account, uh, they they just confirmed that uh, moments ago they filed for Chapter Eleven, and uh, they got a good spin on it though, um, saying the decision was made with the intention to provide the best opportunity to stabilize the business, consummate a comprehensive restructuring transaction that maximizes value for all stakeholders, and emerge from Chapter Eleven positioned for success in the crypto industry. So that's a good spin, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's possible. I couldn't say it's not possible. Some companies have pulled this off in the... I mean, it's also sad that in, because of the legalities and because of the mechanisms, sometimes it makes more sense to close and restart. And because it depends on how the shares and everything is set up. It makes, it makes more sense. But it's hard. I would say it's hard to come back from this for a financial platform. It's like when banks, like 60, 70 years ago in the Great Depression, once a bank had to, hold, had to close its doors for a day, just for a day or two, because it wasn't able to give their people money, even if they reopened the next day and everything was fine, they were basically done. I think, I think it's pretty hard to recover trust from users. Right. The trust. And that goes back to what we are kind of talking about before with with Babylon and the gardens and um, the the soulbound wallets and Polygon ID stuff. It's 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 about trust and reputation yep. and credibility. And I'm pretty sure a lot of these companies, their their trust and reputation is ruined. Like who? I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm never going to put anything on on Celsius ever again. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah, but as you said, the um, the benefits of decentralized ledger technology and blockchain are obvious because we are talking about Babylon as well. And uh, you know how you can create hedge funds, mutual funds. Um, you know, and you need it before like a lot of people to do this. You need to. Uh, be able to handle redemptions, withdrawals, provide all the financial information. And now with Babylon, with one person, you can set up your own investment club on chain in, in a few minutes and then have all the, all the logistics automatically handled for you by the Ethereum blockchain. So you can take deposits, you can, you can handle withdrawals, handle redemptions, suggest investment ideas, create new strategies, put your money to work, rebalance. So you can do all this with technology that before could have taken you a lot of time and a lot of people. So 
the benefits are eventually going to overpower uh, the growing pains of our industry. Right. And then, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's hopefully the, the good direction, the good direction we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna head in. I think, you know, slowly, but surely one step at a time We're uh, we're definitely, we're definitely hopefully going to get there. Yep. Uh, I agree. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, it's like the saying in, in the movie, in one of the Batman movies, like night is darkest before dawn. I think we're on the darkest moments of crypto. You know, I've been in crypto for for many years now, and I suffered, you know, the crazy 2017, 2018 bear market, um, and even the a bit of the one before in Bitcoin. Um, and but it was really different before. Even the existence of crypto was put in doubt. That is like, oh, this has any use at all. But now you have all these companies, Celsius, all these banks, all these people involved. Yeah. So it feels really different, but it has been the most brutal one because it has been the fastest correction and with a much more market cap cap than before. Because right now crypto was in the trillions and it has basically destroyed two trillions of capital in, in just a few months. So it has been massively unprecedented the, the amount of capital destruction destruction that we have seen in the last few months but uh, i think i mean you, you never this is not financial advice and you never know what the market is gonna is gonna do it will humble you one way or another but i think we're closer to the bottom in terms of time than, than before so i think uh, and i don't know how long the cycle will last but looks like the risk is now on the upside the space if you look yeah. at multi-year horizon not for the next three months yeah right absolutely i mean i mean everyone has different opinions i don't know if you remember the i don't know if you know the masari group and yeah. um the 2022 crypto report that they issued many many months ago it was pretty bearish they're like oh yeah you know crypto is super overvalued right now and i would agree that Crypto market cap, when we start talking about protocol tokens, because as we just discussed earlier, there were all these new protocols popping up in DeFi with these huge APRs. Money was just flooding in. Investor confidence was super high. And um, I feel like maybe the crypto market cap at the time was definitely overvalued, which is what the Masari report was saying. And um, but, you know, once again, I, I feel like the infrastructure itself is is very undervalued and underappreciated right now. But, uh, yeah, the Masari report was like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a massive crypto winter uh, coming up here soon. Many years, possibly even 10 years, they said. But I, I can't buy into that because, like, the, the, the pace technology is moving right now. Um, and also legislation, um, which is goes back to another uh another bit with your point about how things are changing but like uh yeah the masari report was like yeah so your time your time horizon should be either 10 days or 10 years going into the future <laughs> there's no middle ground and i'm just like oh man that's that's kind of brutal but um and then yeah the like the legislation like like you said you know it used to be crypto was just like this this terrible thing i mean everyone's probably seen those those things from uh, like meetings with different factions of American government where they're just like, ah, yeah. oh, cryptocurrency, like it's crypto, it's enigmatic. It's nothing more than for, for, for drug peddlers to, to launder their money around and stuff. And, and we're definitely getting away from that. Um, like in America recently, um, we had 
to presidential orders, uh, executive orders um, yeah. for studies and recommendations on crypto, but mainly um, but mainly stable coins. And a lot of this we talked about in the last uh, podcast here on Moshi. Uh, for anyone listening, if you want to get more into that and the technology aspect and where we hope everything's going um, in the bigger picture, um, you can check that out. It's kind of a long one, but I think it's really good. Our guest was amazing. But in those executive orders, um, you know, they had the president, the president work group, the FDIC and the OCC. And the OCC is powerful, man. Like a lot of people don't even know what that agency is, but uh, they're extremely powerful. And um, back in the day, I had studied uh, with fintech because people started doing fintech bundling, and that was really messing with the profits of banks. The banks were all complaining. So in many states, there were uh, many cases. They launched it in many states because they kept losing in other states. Uh, but it's uh, the, the cases are called, I think, uh, OCC versus states or states versus OCC. And the OCC won those, and and the head comptroller at the time was pretty much just like, yeah, look, like fintech bundling is what the customers want. It's where the technology is going. So like, this is what's happening. Like, the banks are just going to have to have to deal with it. And the the recommendations, the studies and recommendations returned from those three agencies from the executive orders had the very similar vibe and feeling to me. Where they, it kind of, they kind of just seemed like, yeah, you know, like this is what's happening. So maybe we should, we should start, you know, using the carrot a little more and less of the stick. And I really kind of also think that, as you said before, increasing the bottom line, it's the way business is going to go. It's the direction the technology is heading. I'm really starting to think, you know, um, these. Man, not to sound terrible, you know, but these these older people in in governments and leading governments are starting to realize like, man, this is kind of unstoppable, you know, unstoppable. Like the crypto goal has gotten too big to grab by the horns anymore and the stick is no longer going to work. And if certain larger, more powerful governments, America, China, Russia, etc., if they don't get on board with this and they don't start doing this. Other countries are going to get on board with it and other countries are going to foster it. And they're the ones that are going to take the lead. And I personally think America is in a tricky situation. Once again, on our last podcast, I kind of joked about the petrodollar 2.0. Like, you know, everyone knows about USD and the petrodollar. So and and America's kind of losing grips on that. And many other countries are starting to stack as reserve currencies, the currencies of other countries um and and no longer usd yeah china so, has been trying to set up that alternate uh yuan based commodity commodity world because i mean and russia wants to get onto that because basically they don't yeah. want to transact on use because it's crazy that like something america has like 25 percent of the gdp but it's 95 percent or so of the commerce in the world happens in dollars before it used to make sense because the gdp of america was a, a lot higher relative to all the world but right now and also you see things like the u.s is in the, the reserves of russia and the u.s is in the reserves of also iran i think it was um you you may disagree or agree why, why they did it but these are these are kind of unprecedented moments and ray dalio talks a lot about this about the changing world order and whether you agree or not it's Clearly, that uh, I think I could say we are past the peak. Uh, you know, and I I live in the U.S. for the last ten years, so uh, I know exactly 
how how things feel. Uh, but it, I think it can also last longer. And if America does things right, it can can slow down the decline of the empire, as Ray Dalio would put it. But going back and to wrap up about crypto, what we were what we were saying, uh, yeah, the technology is here to stay. This feels really similar to to the other technological paradigm shift that we have seen, like going from from the mainframe computer to a personal computer, then from the personal computer to the internet, the internet to mobile and cloud. And this was always the same. First, at the, first the government regulation is against it. The, uh, in one case, it was the media companies, then it was the, the good, the, the, you know, like the music and video against Spotify, YouTube. It's kind of the same thing. The, the, the different thing right now is that we are going against the most powerful institutions and uh, industries that is finance and then also uh, where uh, the nft angle is also going into into creative ownership creative rights and then also against media again going against spotify and going against youtube so it's, it's like a new a new cycle and then for people that don't understand many people don't understand why nfts and they are overvalued yes they, are, they may be overvalued or not but in the end this is the first time we have now digital property rights on the internet and you cannot truly own something that is not owned by google that is not in their database or is not in facebook database and this and DeFi is the first time we can have like a truly open financial system that is owned by everyone and that it doesn't have a privilege for people that sit near near the the bankers and near the near the government so we're really excited about the future and i think uh, long long term the technology uh, should win uh, hopefully nothing like uh, crazy world war happens that kind of uh, puts us back like a few decades um, but if that doesn't happen i think technology in the end will will triumph right and and to add on to that, I think why you always see that resistance from from governments at first is because they feel like they're they're losing a grip on the power. You know, they don't they don't want to lose they don't want to lose their power and control. But uh, going back to those um, presidential executive orders, it really felt like the vibe in um, the studies and recommendations that were returned from those was that like. You're already losing the power, man. Like it's kind of already slipping. And like I was saying, like other smaller countries are going to do this if if the larger countries don't. So I'm really hoping uh, this is my personal guess and my personal hope that um, America is going to take a lead on this and they're going to start actually embracing crypto and already, like most stable coins are pegged to USD because just like you said before, a lot, most global commerce is done in USD. There's the petrodollar situation as well. Um, and that, that's a really good opportunity, I think, for America and, and the USD to, to kind of take a lead on things because like what, the main thing from those uh, returns and recommendations, the main recommendation was similar to those states versus OCC cases from a few years ago, and that was to issue special purpose banking charters. So back then, the recommendation was to issue special purpose banking charters for these fintech companies. I didn't follow up on that if it happened or not. I'm pretty sure I'm, I bet it did because the OCC, they're powerful, but so these recommendations are saying like, hey, these stablecoin issuers like Circle. And the CEO of Circle, Jeremy, 
he's a really smart dude. And I think he's he's centered in Boston uh, in Massachusetts. I'm not quite sure on that, but I know in his local area, like he he very experienced working with local lawmakers and he's a smart dude and he's well respected. And um, after those uh, recommendations came back, like he issued this public statement like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. We would love to work, you know, with the United States government and 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 all the appropriate agencies with this, you know, um, special purpose banking charters would be would be great. And then if Circle got that, they could then have, you know, FDIC and SPIC insurances. They could have lots of other protections. Once they gain that, it gets legitimacy. Lots of people are going to see that. Um, kind of a similar thing with Celsius where people are going to be like, oh, this is legitimate, but but hopefully this is actually legitimate and it's going to increase, it's going to onboard more users, it's going to change the whole attitude and perspective about crypto. And then, you know, USDC can then kind of become the petrol dollar 2.0. And I'm really hoping that happens because that is going to do wonders for crypto acceptance, onboarding new users, we get more people more comfortable with the idea of crypto as a legitimate currency to transact business. And already distributor ledger technology as far as settling payments and settling transactions is great. Still lots of bottlenecks, lots of problems. Great minds are working on those problems though and bottlenecks. But um, we get that greater acceptance. And I really think we could see a huge turn, man. Like, I, I really think uh, I really think the crypto ball could return really fast if we see that. But once again, probably not going to be for years down the road. Yeah, well said. I mean, it's clearly needed a new financial system. You know, I think we're close to kind of a new defining moment like Bretton Woods, where the U.S. walked away from, the, from gold in 1971. And... You started to get signs that there there is a need for a different monetary system that works for everyone, and we are walking towards that. And it's going to happen one way or another. And crypto provides a clear opportunity to redefine that system, and hopefully, it it moves in the right direction. Um, I'm going to have to get going, but this was great. Thanks a lot for inviting us. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming by. Um... Is there anything before going, is there anything regarding Babylon specific that you would like to tell us about? Um, just any, anything in general that you want to you wanna put out there to the people right now? The, the floor is yours. Thank you. Yeah, if you want to uh, check out Babylon Finance, you can go at babylon.finance and then you also, we also have the Twitter account, Babylon Finance, and uh, take a look at all the different communities that we have, you know, Discord, and then if you can find a community that is is looking to invest in things that make sense to you, for example, you may be looking for a low risk, stable, stable deal opportunities, or you may be looking for high risk, uh, alpha uh, and market driven strategies, then you can find that too. So take a look at Babylon Finance, find your community and invest together. Sweet, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, maybe we can do this again in the future. Um, yeah, I really like hanging out and talking with people about this stuff. I mean, you seem really knowledgeable as far as, you know, like global financial systems are concerned and the technology and everything's going on. So, yeah, maybe maybe we can do this again in the future. And uh, I had a lot of fun, man. Like, you're a really awesome dude. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I had a lot of fun as well. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that's the end of Moshi Mushi.
How how are we gonna are we gonna officially get some word? It's mushy mushy, right? Mushy mushy episode nine. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in, and y'all have a great day. And we will see you, I believe, tomorrow. We're gonna have the Portal Heads crew here, and it's gonna be a blast. Those guys are so much fun. Uh, or maybe it's Friday, two days. Uh, so stay tuned for that, and we'll see you then. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Hey, how's it going? Good, and you? Good. Just getting the day started. Thank you for accommodating the times. Yeah, no worries. Let me, uh... Turn up. Yeah, so how you been? Busy. It's been brutal. This last quarter has been truly brutal in crypto, but hanging in there. Yeah, same. Same story for most of us, I'd assume. Yep. It gets worse before it gets better. That's usually the case. Yeah, I'm uh I'm doing it I'm doing this at home on uh I have Starlink for internet, so sometimes it drops. So if you lose me, just just pretend uh everything's fine Sounds and keep good. going. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly sure how many people we're going to get in here. So uh good opportunity if you want to uh, 